good day to you, brothers, sisters, friends, and new faces. Welcome to Current Events and Christian Expectations. And today, in this podcast, we're going to discuss borders and boundaries. Why are the aliens and foreigners a clear topic in Scripture? And what does that mean for us in light of our current events? Today, we'll lead off with Deuteronomy 10, 17. As usual, we'll have several other scriptures that we'll reference and read today. And we'll put those in the overview. So, with the foreigners and aliens amongst us under the influence of this Holy Scriptures, mm-hmm. let's just dig right in. All right. Current events. Countries have been having trouble with their borders uh, for several years now. This is May of 2022, and England's been having trouble of people coming across the English Channel and coming into the land without being properly vetted. It's a long swim. Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> And, of course, in our country, the U.S. of A., at the southern border, we've been having issues down there for uh, bad issues for well over a decade, and it's getting worse and worse. So what does the Bible say about borders and sojourners? Uh, We say sojourners, depending on your translation, uh, the word can be sojourner, it can be alien, it can be foreigner, or it can be stranger. In context, the Old Testament simply means someone who is not a bona fide Israelite. They are clearly a Gentile who's come into the borders of Israel and we want to look at what are the expectations when that happens. There is a lot in the Bible, and what we're looking at is the pattern of truth that arcs from Genesis to Revelation, usually the arc we take. Can't get everything in here. We'd be on here for four or five hours. So, current event, we've got border problems. Uh, Disease is increasing because of that. Crime, sex trafficking is Mm. a real problem. Mm -hmm. Terrorists have come across. So, what do we do? The Bible teaches very clearly some specific truths about borders. We ask the question, why are there borders? And a lot of people say, we don't want borders. Well, originally there were no borders. In Genesis 1, when we have the uh, creation of Adam and Eve, God gives them a command to go forth and subdue the earth, have dominion over all the animals and everything, and spread out. There are no borders in view. It is open area. So what happens? Well, sin. Pretty Mm. soon, Cain is banished from the borders of Eden and goes out beyond those borders to start his own civilization. And so it goes throughout the Old Testament, into the New Testament church, all the way to the New Jerusalem in the book of Revelation in this ark, as we shall see. So the Christian expectation is that aliens, sojourners, strangers, uh, whatever we want to call them, for the most part, I'll be calling them sojourners, uh, in the land, they must be treated justly and helped and loved, as we look at Deuteronomy 10, 17 through 20. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. And by his name, you shall swear. All right, strong language about God and who he is. Mm -hmm. And dealing with the subject of sojourners, and notice the key word, love the sojourners for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. All of us are sojourners in some way or the other. And absolutely. So the law here, as we're in the book of Moses, uh, says sojourners and aliens in the land, we must love them and treat them right. 
but by the same token, they must submit to the same law as the native people inside those borders, the Israelites. Mm. This is laid down clearly in Numbers 9, 13, and 14. But if anyone who is clean and is not on a journey fails to keep the Passover, that person shall be cut off from his people because he did not bring the Lord's offering at its appointed time. The man shall bear his sin. And if a stranger sojourns among you and would keep the Passover to the Lord according to the statutes of the Passover and according to its rule, so shall he do. You shall have one statute both for the sojourner and for the native. All right. The law says that they must submit to the same laws as the native peoples. Mm. And that's uh, one law for both. The sojourners are to be loved, but also held accountable. And we do not have a lot of that going on at our borders. No. We do have a loving responsibility, Christian expectation, but so do those who cross boundaries to respect the laws of the people whose boundaries they reside in. Let's look at a little background and see where boundaries are innate in creation for obvious reasons. Take a look at this. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. Listen to Genesis 1, 1 through 6, and 9 through 10. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Jumping down to verse 6 and 9 and 10. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. It's good to have boundaries. So in the acts of creation, we see that boundaries are necessary. They separate created things to make life possible. Otherwise, we'd be living in chaos. Things mm. have to be separated apart. Light from dark, dark from light, sky from water, water from sky, water from land, land from water. And there is great wisdom in this. Listen to Lady Wisdom as she speaks about how she was with God in the beginning, creating through wisdom these boundaries. Proverbs 8, 27 through 31. When he established the heavens... I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundation of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. Absolutely. The reasons for boundaries and borders are very simple. To distinguish one thing from another. We never knew where the boundary of the ocean was. We'd fall into it and drown. So yeah. we've got to know the boundaries. Boundaries are to distinguish one thing from another, to show what each object is, from trees to fleas, from steeple to people. Here's a quote from Henry Cloud, who wrote a book on the subject of boundaries. He says, quote, Boundaries define us. And they do. We're going to see, as Christians, we have boundaries. Uh, I'm an American, too, so I have boundaries there within this. I'm a Tennessean, mm-hmm. so I have those boundaries as well. Welcome to the volunteer state. Welcome to the volunteer <laughs> state, absolutely. 
And of course, in relationships, we all know there's got to be boundaries. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a Seinfeld episode years ago, the close talker, yeah. <laughs> who did not understand that there are boundaries um, when you have people together and uh, it's very awkward to have someone's face right in your face and they're talking to you all the time and that's how they talk to you. So, however, this is not a basis, however, for uh, apartheid or segregation because we are all descended from one person. Acts 17, 26. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place. That's right. From one man created everybody who lives upon the face of the earth. And that's uh, Paul preaching to the uh, intelligentsia of Athens there, explaining his views on God and creation. Uh, from God's view, the boundaries of marriage exist between human beings uh, and animals. In other words, we marry other humans. We don't marry gorillas or a tiger or a dog. Um, but they're not between humans, whatever their origin or color is. We find that in the Old Testament. We're going to see some examples here as well. What about mixed marriages, however? We might raise that question in the Old Testament. Well, there are forbidden marriages in the Old Testament, but it's based on the covenant to keep Israel from idolatry. You've got to marry somebody who is not an idolater. Listen to this passage from Deuteronomy 7, 1 through 4. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations more numerous and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you defeat them, then you must devote them to complete destruction. You shall make no covenant with them and show no mercy to them. You shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons. For they would turn you away, your sons, from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you, and he would destroy you quickly. Absolutely. You do not intermarry with them because they worship other gods. That's a boundary. It has nothing to do with their ethnic origin. It has to do with their religion. In mm. uh, Deuteronomy 23, verses 2 through 6, we get a, a few groups that are specifically named you don't allow inside the boundaries of Israel. No one born of a forbidden union may enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the tenth generation, none of his descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord. No Amorite or Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the tenth generation. None of them may enter the assembly of the Lord forever, because they did not meet you with bread and water on the way when you came out of Egypt, and because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Beor, from Pethor of Mesopotamia, to curse you. But the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam. Instead, the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you, because the Lord your God loved you. You shall not seek their peace or their prosperity all your days forever. Right. So very strong boundaries there. However, there's a whole book in the, New, in the Old Testament devoted to just this thing violating those boundaries. We find a Moabite, a person of Moab, Book of Ruth. Ruth mm -hmm. is a Moabitess. And in that short book, four chapters, seven times, she's called a Moabite woman. It's funny. It's almost humorous because when she shows up, they say, here she comes in with Naomi, Ruth the Moabitess. And then the next few verses, and it was Ruth the Moabitess. They have to make that point. Because, Accentuated. Yeah, yeah, why is she here? Well, she is here inside the boundaries of Israel 
because she has become devoted to the God of her mother-in-law and is clearly a pious believer. Here's how Isaiah says it in 56, verses 6 and 7. And the foreigners who join you themselves to the Lord, to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it, and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain, and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. How important is this? It's the quote that Jesus has on his lips when he cleansed the temple Hmm. in the uh, Synoptic Gospels. And of course, Ruth shows up in the genealogy of Christ in Matthew chapter 1. Clearly blessed. So, as Paul says in Ephesians 2 of believing Gentiles, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens of the household of God. So, to sum up, sojourners, aliens, undocumented people, whatever we want to call them, uh, can have their place in Israel and live within their borders. It can happen. Listen to Numbers 15, verses 14 through 16. And if a stranger is sojourning with you, or anyone is living permanently among you, and he wishes to offer a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord, he shall do as you do. For the assembly... There shall be one statute for you and for the stranger who sojourns with you, a statute forever throughout your generations. You and the sojourner shall be alike before the Lord. One law and one rule shall be for you and for the stranger who sojourns with you. Right, and of course, we're not in the covenant of Israel these days, but these are principles which are applicable across the board down through the centuries. Yeah, they transcend the nation. Absolutely. So you can see that Sometimes on our borders, as well as elsewhere, the people coming in seem to be guided by one set of rules, and the people who are already here, another set. We saw that with the COVID problem. So on the other hand, we need to remember that when we travel, as I've done and Randy's done some traveling outside this country, Mm -hmm. uh, we're subject to the rules of the other peoples, and we are the sojourners. When I was in the Philippines way back in the 60s, uh, me and uh, a couple of guys, we all ran around, three of us, we were buddies, uh, Daniel Boone, and that was his name. He was from Utah. And um, then uh, Robbie, uh, Larry Robinson, uh, but we called him Stumpy because uh, Daniel was like 6'4", I was 6'2", Stumpy was like 5'6". So, yes. But he was a funny guy, and he liked the nickname Stumpy. He was fine with it. So we're in the Philippines. We take a trip to Manila. First time we've been off the base, we get off the train. We go to the nearest street corner. I'm not really paying attention. And all of a sudden, someone's pulling on me. I look down, and it's it's Robbie, Stumpy. And he's saying, gobe, gobe, gobe. I said, what, what is it? He said, man, we're surrounded by foreigners. <laughs> <laughs> I looked up, and I said, yeah, there's a, like a thousand short brown people yeah. <laughs> all over the place. And uh, I said, uh, Stumpy, I think we, yes, a bit the other are, way around. we are the foreigners, <laughs> which means we better watch our step yeah. uh, while we're here. Uh, which uh, And we misstepped a couple of times, and we learned that when you're in somebody else's boundaries, Follow the rules. Okay. Well, what if a sojourner wants to be a full-fledged Jew or Israelite? Well, that can be done. Exodus 12, 48 and 49. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land. But no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native. And for the stranger who sojourns among you. Seems to be a repeated phrase there. Absolutely. One law. To one, law. law. one law. Yeah. And if the sojourner wants to become a full-fledged citizen, here's how it's done. Mm-hmm. And it'll apply, of course, then 
retrospectively to the members of his family. So, and again, in Deuteronomy 31, verse 12, we hear this repeated as Moses is finishing up his last sermon to the people of Israel. Assemble the people, men, women, and little ones, and the sojourner within your towns, that they may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God and be careful to do all the words of this law. So the same word of the law for both. There was not a word of the law for the sojourner separate from the Israeli or vice versa. Mm -hmm. I like that. Here's a quote. It's anonymous. Lack of boundaries invites lack of respect. I think that's intuitively mm -hmm. correct, obviously common sense. However, it's not just Israel, but pagan nations. God has concerns about their boundaries, as we will see. The boundaries of pagan nations are a concern to God, just as he's concerned about the boundaries of Israel. So a non-Israeli nation can be held accountable and is held accountable by God throughout the Old Testament. We're going to give you just a couple, three examples. Enlarging borders at the expense of others, God does not like it. Amos 1, verse 13. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of the Amorites and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they have ripped open pregnant women in Gilead that they might enlarge their border. There you go. And of course, what is Mr. Putin trying to do in Ukraine? Enlarge his border and people are dying yeah. because of it. So this is an old age problem and God doesn't like it. It's not just Israel that he wants the borders understood and followed. It's in other nations as well. In Isaiah, we have a picture of God using Assyria to judge, punish Israel for her sins. But then he turns around and judges Assyria, especially the king, uh, for the attitudes toward boundaries, which God does not like, Isaiah 10, verses 12 and 13. When the Lord has finished all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, he will punish the speech of the arrogant heart of the king of Assyria and the boastful look in his eyes. For he says, By the strength of my hand I have done it, and by my wisdom, for I have understanding, I have removed the boundaries of peoples and plunder their treasuries like a bull I bring down those who sit on thrones. Yes, boundaries are not just government-ordained, they're God-ordained. And God says you need to respect that. And genocide, which is what the ripping open pregnant women, you want to destroy the whole people. You don't mm -hmm. want you want them gone, genocide, in order to take over their land. This is one of the major reasons for World War II. Hitler wanted what he called Lebensraum, living space, mm -hmm. you know? I just want the Sudetenland. I just want a little Czechoslovakia. And, uh, da, da, da. A little bit of Poland. Yeah. yeah. So uh, not only this, but nations are held accountable for desecration of sacred boundaries. And when we say sacred, we're not talking about something in Israel. We're talking about sacred of other nations that are pagan. God holds people still accountable because they are seen as sacred by those people and therefore should be respected. Amos chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Moab, and for four I will not revoke the punishment, because he burned to lime the bones of the king of Edom. So I will send fire upon Moab, and it shall devour the strongholds of Kiriath. And Moab shall die amid uproar, amid shouting and the sound of the trumpet. They desecrated the grave, the tomb, of a man who had died, and God was not happy with that. Uh, off and on throughout this country, especially in the latter decades, we've had more and more graveyard desecrations, especially among mm -hmm. Jewish graveyards at times. So, um, but it's God is concerned about that. He does not like it. Can there be such a thing as legitimate expansion? Well, it depends on how you approach it. Listen to this prayer of Jabez. And by the way, there was a popular book back in the 80s, was it? 
Prayer of Jabez. Pray, prayer of Jabez. But it's a good one. Listen to this from 1 Chronicles 4, 9 through 10. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Jabez called upon the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. Okay, so he wanted wider borders. We're assuming some land. How do you get that? It's, it's you know, targeted and well planned out in Israel, but apparently it could be done because he prayed for an expansion uh, of the borders. Um, in the New Testament, we'll go back to that Acts 17 again that Randy just read, but just to remind us, uh, this is the New Testament teaching on borders of nations, Acts 17, 26 through 27, part A. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. Yes, the reason why God deals with the boundaries and raises up nations and brings them down and the boundaries change because of the judgments and the providence of God is for people to seek him. Mm. So we need to be careful of how we deal with boundaries. Governments do determine boundaries, but God always has the last word and we who are Christians need to respect boundaries because God is involved. Now, what are our Christian responsibilities to um, the sojourner, the illegals or undocumented as some people call them? Uh, well, as you go, you just have to seek out the will of God because it's a very ambiguous situation now. It really is. Here's an example. Some decades ago, and when I was in the ministry, um, I had a uh, young lady who was, lived across from the church, and she came over with a boyfriend one day, and they wanted to talk to me. His name was Carlos, and he was someone south of the border who was illegal. But uh, they'd fall in love, want to get married, but they realized there was a problem. So, you know, what to do? You know, so, so what's my responsibility? Should I turn them in to the government? And already, even then, uh, two decades ago, it was very ambiguous as to what was being done, how it would be done, etc. So what is God's will? And I simply told them, if you want to get married, I can do that because you don't need the government's permission mm. to marry you. There's nothing in the Bible that says, seek the laws of Tennessee first to make sure you're well accorded. And then, no, you need people to come together. You make confession. You have witnesses. And that does it. I did tell them they probably would have some legal ramifications that they need to understand, but I thought my, as a Christian, as a minister, what my perspective should be was I will help you in this so you can be legitimately married and come together. Now, it didn't work out for a lot of reasons we don't have time to go into, but this brings us to our next subject. We need boundaries for churches. There were boundaries for Israel. We need boundaries for our churches, and there's very clear in the New Testament who's in and who's out. In the following verses, there's about, I think, four selections here. It's interesting that we who are in the church are referred to as insiders, and those who are not, who are outside the assembly, who are not Christian, are called outsiders. There is a boundary, and we need to understand it. Let's take a look first at 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the sexual immoral of this world, or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I am writing you to know with anyone who bears the name of brother, if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed, or is an idolater or reviler or drunkard or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? 
God judges those outside. So purge the evil person from among you. We are to police our own. Mm. And because our boundaries are God's commandments, they are spiritual boundaries. Uh, uh, they can't be seen in the sense of a normal boundary, like a, a fork in the road or something. But in behavior and things of that sort, which Paul just discussed, they are clearly out of bounds. That kind of behavior is out of bounds. So, And it's not just directed to the church leaders to police themselves. We, all of us, regardless of our... Um, uh, our office within the church are to do that. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that's why he says, church, you know, police your own. Um, and, but, we might say, conversely, like sojourners in Israel, we are to treat outsiders as potential insiders. Mm -hmm. And that makes a difference. In the same letter, 1 Corinthians, we're in chapter 14, verses 23 through 25. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsiders enters, he is con convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his hearts are disclosed. And so, following on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Yes, um, we will not get into the subject of tongues. That's a diversion from our topic today. But he says, if you're all coming together to prophesy, which he starts off in that chapter saying, this is what builds up the church, encourages. In other words, speaking the word of God as you believe it's been laid on your heart and making a declaration to people, whatever it might be. And if you have someone who's an outsider who comes in, that can be done in early fashion. And just people speaking about how the will of God is working in their life as they share it can convict an outsider. Mm. And he will come to his senses or she will come to his spiritual senses and declare God is among you, which is Paul's way of saying they'll come back and they'll be included. Well, we see that happening too in, in church services when people talk about what Jesus has done for them. Exactly. They, they come to a knowledge of Christ because of the example or the witness that they hear. Precisely. Yeah. So, um, as potential insiders, we must behave uh, toward them in, uh, in a churchly fashion, declaring the will of God as we have opportunities, but also walk before them wisely. Here's a passage from Colossians 4, verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Yeah, toward outsiders, meaning there are boundaries. Mm -hmm. Again, we're the insiders, world's the outsiders. Uh, toward outsiders, we are to show that we insiders are... Also not slackers or moochers. <laughs> so if they become insiders, they will already know that they will be held accountable. We find that in 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 through 12. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that is indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Right. So we Christians and our churches need to maintain a conscience difference between ourselves and outsiders. We don't want to make someone feel like they're an outsider. On the other hand, we need to understand that we are insiders and they are still outsiders until they come across that barrier of confession, faith, and baptism, those things. So thus there are boundaries or borders in place like Israel's outsiders, sojourners. Uh, they can partake today, outsiders who come to our church, of our Passover, which is Christ, 1 Corinthians 5, 7, uh, which is demonstrated in communion. 
but it's for believers, right? So mm -hmm. they have to make themselves insiders and no longer outsiders, believe on Jesus and be baptized and be one with us and following the Lord. Uh, one wonderful example of this is we uh, want to go back to the Old Testament for one more before we conclude with uh, Revelation. Uh, the story of Naaman in 2 Kings 5. Mm. Uh, he's diseased. He, he's come to uh, Israel to get healed of his disease. Uh, and the prophet uh, says, go dunk yourself um, uh, seven, Elisha seven times in the river Jordan. He complains. He says, it's filthy. I, I don't make the sense of that. But his entourage convinces him. He gets baptized seven times. He dips and boop. His disease is gone, and the Bible says his skin was like a, a child's, yeah. fresh and new. He actually said, "What wasn't it? Weren't there rivers back where I came from? Yeah, to do they're better than there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Really, and, and yeah. so it, 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 as often, the will of God doesn't make rational sense in the beginning, mm -hmm. but it makes experiential sense after it's completed. So he goes back and he wants to uh, give lots of clothes and gold to the prophet. The prophet says, "No, no, no, I can't, I can't do that." Uh, so he says, "Well, then, how about this?" He said, "Can I have two loads of earth?" and I'll carry the earth of Israel back to my place so that I can have a place to stand on, basically, mm. when I sacrifice to the God who is, because I know there's no other God now but the God of Israel. So he takes new borders, Israel, back to his old boundaries and puts the new border soil into his old boundaries, which mm. is basically what we do in the church. You know, we, we find new boundaries in the people of God, even though we still have those outward old boundaries that mm. still exist in the world. So one day... All the boundaries will be with redrawn. Uh, for in the new beginning, the boundaries of the holy city that is to come are very clear. So boundaries continue. Listen to this. Revelation 21, 22 through 27. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light... Will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Absolutely. Um, to come into the borders of the holy city, we need to be vetted by the book of life and by the blood of the Lamb. So they continue clear out into the, the next ages to, to come when Jesus, after Jesus returns. Here's a quote, and I'll just leave off the uh, fellow who said it. Nations exist because people believe in them. Once the people of planet Earth stop believing in nations and start practicing humanity, all borders will disappear for good. We've already seen, even in the next age and beyond that. Borders do not disappear, and that's because we need to get our humanity back before we can come to a place where there, in a sense, are no borders. Listen to this. This is the world sentiment, this quote here that this fellow said, you know, we got to stop believing in nations. Well, Scripture's sentiment is the opposite. As Randy just read, nations remain nations even into the new heaven and new earth. And to practice humanity, we must regain it. In Colossians 3, Paul says we've got to be renewed in the image of our Creator, going back to where there were no boundaries with Adam and Eve. And he goes on to say, where there is neither Jew nor Greek in Christ. The Christ is all and in all. Boundaries disappear mm. in Christ because we're back at the beginning, but yet advanced because of Jesus and what he's done in his life and resurrection. And lastly, we need to know that we are, as Peter says in 1 Peter 2, uh, sojourners and aliens, as Randy mentioned earlier in the broadcast. We are in this world, this old world, 
This world is not my home, as the old song says. As sojourners and aliens, got to conduct ourselves in the right way as we await God's coming visitation to earth. So, until that day, it's what's inside the borders of our heart that leads us on. Well, thanks, Jim. You've given us a lot to think about. I'm sure there might be questions or comments about it. We'd love to hear the questions and comments from you. So please send your questions or comments to eventsandexpectations at gmail.com. That's the word events, the word and, and the word expectations at gmail.com. We will use your question or comment where possible, and we will always answer you. This has been Current Events and Christian Expectations. And until next time, brothers and sisters, friends and new faces, keep looking up.